Good morning. Welcome to Alley and Pacero. This is Alan Alley and my friend James Ball from the Rational Republican. Good morning, James. Good morning, Alan. Thank you for bearing with us on the live stream. We're working on the audio. I think we've got usable audio on the live stream. We'll keep working on that in the future. And each week we get better we get and better. better. <laughs> Continuous improvement. <laughs> if, <laughs> we've got seven adapters and three cables. Yeah, you and can't quite see the rat's nest of wires and things that we've got here. Uh, and then we're also dealing with my lovely Apple computer world that takes care of me every day, but doesn't allow me to actually do any sort of real IT work. If you want to change something that Apple doesn't want you to change, it, you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much we're there. So, so uh, Jim Passero's not with us this week, but we're going to dive in. And I could hear your guy on the left better. Okay. Uh, we're going to dive in and start talking about what's been going on in politics this week. I had a friend from uh, back east. I've always wondered why we call it back east and out west. Mm, right? I think it's a it's a East Coast thing. Yeah, like yeah, they did it to us. They started on the East Coast, and so it's out west. It's all those guys over there. Yeah, the square to... states. Yep, yep. Um, I had a, a gal from Michigan that contacted me and said, "Alan, I'd l really like you to talk about what's going on in Georgia." And I thought, Georgia, Georgia, what's going on in Georgia? Oh, there's a recount going on in Georgia. Yeah, right? and. Uh, they're going through the process, and I think you and I have been pretty consistent on this, as we've talked about this on the show, that we're going through a recount. They're going to go through lawsuits. They're going to have hearings. They're going to do what they do. And Trump's going to say a lot of things, but at the end of the day, what he says doesn't really matter because we're going to go through the process, and, and the process has worked for 250 years. I imagine it will continue working in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly worried about it yeah and it'll be resolved yeah right it, it, we're going through the process it right. doesn't really matter who's saying what at this point it'll 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 figure itself out yeah so i i went and started poking around on things and it, from my news sources um and you almost you've sort of subconsciously started selecting your news sources yes I, it isn't like i went through and i said i only want to hear from these but as I set things up and as I frequent sites and I, even in my head, I'm going to, I'll go to the Wall Street Journal, right? That's one that I go to all the time. I saw that there was a recount going on in Georgia and that was pretty much it, right? Well, so what I, what I do is I get a lot of my news from Reddit. Oh, so that's right. Reddit, Reddit um, tends to be more left-leaning, but they do get a wide variety of of uh, different sources. Mm -hmm. And so I, I subscribe to our Portland and our Oregon and our news. And between those, you get a lot of different news sources. And then the real the real gold is in the comments. You start yes. reading what people have to say, and I mean, you get some you get some trolls and some idiots on there. But a lot of times, it's somebody who disagrees with the premise and has like makes really interesting points. And so, you really, I I feel like Reddit is a good place to get um, a fairly balanced view of what's going on, as long as you read the the comments as well as so the articles. So I'm a Reddit neophyte. But, yeah. So tell me how Reddit, because I I sort of stumble into Reddit. I'm, yeah. I'm Googling Corvette C8 Z06 release dates or something like this. And then I click on something and I'm in Reddit. Yeah. And it's, it's a little 
confusing to me. Well, it's, it's a it's a social network similar to I mean similar to Facebook where you can upvote things or downvote things, but you instead of subscribing to like just your friends who as we know, for a lot of people tend to all think alike and have all the same views on things. Um, you subscribe to these subreddits and they are, you know, user generated and they are usually for a specific topic, whether it's a city or a state or news or pictures or weightlifting or I mean, yeah. going to video games, you know, yeah. p- particular video game. Um, and yeah, so somebody will post an article and then it will get upvoted and downvoted by the community and the more upvotes they get and the fewer downvotes, the more it rises to the top and the more likely you are to see it. And so you tend to see the ones that that particular community has deemed worthwhile. I see. And so, like I said, our Portland, the subreddit is pretty liberal. And so you get a lot of very left-leaning news sources coming from there. Our Oregon is a little bit less liberal. Uh, if you want, really want to go down the rabbit hole, you can go to our conservative, which is, <laughs> you know, the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, but like I said, you go into the comments and especially in our Portland, you look for the ones that are most downvoted yeah. and it's usually the conservatives oh, yeah, yeah, who yeah. have a good point. And so, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I've gotten into fights on there and lost a lot of Reddit <laughs> points by, uh, by making comments on there. But so anyway. are there, is there really a thing called a Reddit point? Uh, so they call it karma, but if you're, if you post something and you get an upvote, you get one karma point. And if you get a downvote, they take one away. And oh, so you kind of have a running total on your account of oh. how many you have. Yeah. And it, so generally it leans, would you say all of Reddit leans left? For the most part. So, yeah. you, so just hard in general. to get a lot of upvotes as a conservative. Well, like I said, it's not, it doesn't, you don't have to post stuff that is blatantly partisan. You know, a lot of it is people just posting a news article. And a lot of times with news articles, the, the specific rule. So each subreddit has their own rules. And so a lot of times the rule for a news article has to be the title of your post has to match the title of the article to avoid people commentating on it. And so then you commentate in the, in the comments. But if you do that, it doesn't really matter who you are or what you're, status is or what yeah. your left or right lean is you're just posting news articles is and there one on purse i don't know if there is i don't <laughs> i don't follow it there I'm might be but i can't imagine there's a whole lot of content coming out on purse either so that's no, kind i'm of working a, on part two of my purse series but so getting back to the what's going on in georgia yeah that was a nice then i started trailer. no it was good it was good <laughs> then i i started digging in and there's all this controversy around Trump was in Georgia. He gave a speech. Um, I don't quite understand why Georgia is the focal point of this because you need Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin to get to 270 or, uh, 269, 269, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so, but, but then there's this world of controversy that people are very upset about on both sides that I was completely, basically unaware of. I think it's, it's the 2020 version of the purity test. If you think that the, the vote in Georgia was up, you know, it was accurate and there was no fraudulent activity, <clears throat> you know, you must be a liberal shill. And if yeah. you think that there was, um, any sort of fraudulent or irregular behavior, then you must be a conservative shill. It's just, it's, it, there's no room yeah. for nuance in no, and, 2020 politics. And my position has been, 
we have to trust that the process is going to work. You should file your lawsuits. Yes. You should go through. You should have the hearings. You should post the videos. You should have the interviews and the cross-examinations of people. Yes. And even if there wasn't anything, it raises the level of scrutiny for future elections. Absolutely. And I think every vote should be counted accurately. And yes. this process will yield something that does that. We've reached our first segment. We're going to come back. We'll talk more about this. We'll also talk about some local things that are going on here in Portland and Oregon in general. This is Ali and Pacero. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero. This is Alan Alley with my friend James Ball from the Rational Republican. Hi, James. Hi, Alan. And we're doing George, all things Georgia, which is kind of amazing to me. Um, so they're going through the recount. Trump goes down there. We also have two senatorial elections that are going on right now to, to decide whether or not the Senate is going to uh, remain in Republican hands or actually swing to the Democrats. There's a lot going on. I don't, because of the Senate races, I think if, if I was doing this, I don't think I'd make, I, I don't think I'd focus everything on Georgia. Well, and that's the other thing. Like there's a lot of people telling Republicans that the whole system's rigged and you should not vote in the runoff because it's all rigged, which could hand the Senate over to the Democrats. And so there's, I've read a couple articles. It's, it's, like Republican operatives who are telling Republicans, you know, the system is rigged, stop voting, which is absolutely the wrong message you want to be giving to Georgia Republicans at this point. Yeah, totally. And, and undermining the integrity of the Georgia election process when we have an election that arguably we can and should win. Yeah. In Georgia. So uh, this is a bit of a side topic, but I remember back when Trump got elected in 2016, I was talking to one of my uh, more liberal friends and one of his concerns about a Trump presidency was the lack removing the trust in institutions. You know, it's one thing to change the institutions. It's one thing to, you know, kind of throw your own curveball at it. But as soon as people stop trusting the institutions, you it becomes a problem. And I think it, it was Russia or someplace that nobody pulls over for ambulances. Oh. Because what had started happening is rich people had started hiring ambulances to take them to the airport. And so right. once, once that gets around that rich people are doing this and a ambulance may or may not be going to the hospital with a sick person, people just don't, people don't trust that institution anymore. And what happens is, people actually sick going to the hospital end up dying because yeah. they can't get there. And so to your point, if you remove the trust in, if you erode the trust in the institutions, the institution of democracy of voting, we are, I mean, that's, that's, that is incredibly dangerous and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on that. That is something that we should not be 
I, I will take a stolen election over <laughs> over that, <laughs> over removing trust and democracy. You know, it's interesting because I've, I've observed what's gone on in China over the last 15 or 20 years. And um, so in 1997, the great leap forward wasn't working. And they made a conscious decision to allow some people to get rich first rather than trying to take 1.3 billion people and elevate them all at the same time. And what it did is it created this sort of hyper capitalism inside of China in, in small areas, but the government would hand assets to people. And then those people would begin to build companies and monetize those assets and become fabulously wealthy. And I was in a very remote part of China and there's like a Lamborghini parked out in front of this little hotel, Mm -hmm. no license plate. Mm -hmm. And the car would go out and drive around every day and come back and park. And, and obviously somebody was using it, no license plate. Um, and I asked my friend, I said, what's going on? And he goes, oh, he is so wealthy and connected. He can drive without a license plate and nobody will stop him. Hmm. And so you talk about the undermining of, of institutions that in that case, they had created this untouchable class inadvertently and create, created this untouchable class that was above the law. And it started to reverse and change uh, in China. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the second thing, though, is, is that I want people to be questioning what our government is saying well, and yeah, doing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And it's especially annoyed me on the COVID stuff that's been going on is that we're not getting this straight scoop question but keep the but increase the maintain the trust in the systems like i want to be able to question the government and be able to go through the courts to decide whether or not the government is acting or behaving properly yeah uh as soon as the courts start uh to and this is again kind of going on a side tangent but um there was an article that came out recently about the Oregon stimulus and how it is basically only for black people. And this is a pretty clear violation of the 14th amendment. And yet we did it anyway. And so this is one of those I things. Seen like, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a, a lawsuit going on of a business owner in Portland who was denied uh, some of the grant money because she's not black enough. Yeah. Doesn't identify as black. Oh, and so, the, like this, this is okay. The government does something that's out of line. You, you, someone files a lawsuit and it gets reversed or the, the judge the comes in right. and says, this is a violation of the constitution and it gets, it gets slapped down. That's how the system's supposed to work. If the judicial system all of a sudden says, well, you know, we're just not going to worry about it. And we're, you know, this is, this is constitutional, even though it clearly isn't, then you, that erodes trust in the systems or in the institutions. So I want to question the government through the institutions that we have to place checks and balances on those, those government right. entities. And I think this is where our first amendment rights, our rights to do things like what we're doing today, mm-hmm. to have these discussions, to have these open forums 
to share the information is so important. And um, when I think about the, some of the discussions around what's been going on in social media about uh, Twitter and Facebook and filtering certain discussions, mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, where I come out on this is I think they are, um, they're a printing press. They're a, a, they a, should be. a wire that that just takes information from point A to point B and formats it and presents it. It shouldn't be making any kind of judgments at all about good, bad, spinning it. Otherwise, they're they're it's like ABC, NBC, or CNBC. And, and this is this is the problem where Facebook, Twitter, etc., are trying to play both sides. Yeah, because typically, if you are a wire, and this is this is some an analogy, if I call up on my Verizon right. phone and to plan a terrorist attack. Verizon doesn't cut my service. Like they are just the wire that, I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, what I do on the phone is not Verizon's responsibility. However, to your point, ABC, NBC, they're editorialized all the stuff. And so they are responsible for the content. Right. And so Facebook, Twitter are trying to play both sides where they editorialize and are also not liable for the content. And you can't do that. It has to be one or the other. I think that's absolutely true. That's the end of our second segment. Thank you for joining us today. This is Allie and Pacero with her friend James Ball. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Alley and Pacero. It's Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us. This is Alan Alley with James Ball from the Rational Republican. Yes, sir. We're talking about Georgia. We're talking about the recount. And James just talked about there was a video posted online about ballots being pulled out from underneath tables, a lot like this one, except it had a black cloth over it, um, in suitcases mm -hmm. when the observers had been dismissed or whatever. Yeah. Right? So at least the commentary alongside the video was this has happened at two or three o'clock in the morning that, yeah, the, the observers had been told we're not doing any more counting. Y'all can leave. And then they went ahead and pulled baskets of what you would believe to be uh, ballots out from under or suitcases out from under at this table and continued counting. Right. So um, I would need more context for that video. I think before did you we see the video? Any, I did. did you, yeah, I did, I did and, too. Yeah. Um, would need, you need context for that kind of thing. <laughs> um, however, it does kind of show that there, there might have been some inconsistencies. However, how many ballots are you going to have in Four suitcases. I mean, a couple thousand, like two thousand, maybe. Yeah. And, I mean, so I think that that's another thing is that you, if you, if you go into these and saying, oh, there's voter fraud, blah blah blah. Well, if the voter fraud is less than the total number of the delta between the the candidates, well, I mean, even. But then, like I said, where did they come from? Are they valid ballots? You know, why are they hiding them? Right. Um, who's hiding them? Maybe they were just forgotten. I mean, they, this was all done in front of a security camera. Who got the, the tape? Where did the security tape come from? I don't know. There's just so many questions to be <laughs> asked about this that I'm, I'm hesitant. But to the point from earlier, 
this is why we have lawsuits. This is why we t- you right. take that tape, you file a lawsuit, you say there are voter irregularities in Georgia, and then the courts look into them. Right. And as long as you trust the institution of the justice system, that should be fine. They will, the, the truth will come out. And if there were irregularities, then they'll, then we'll find them. And I don't... It's interesting that you say the truth will come out because I, maybe I'm more jaded. There will be an answer. Yes. And that answer will be adjudicated through the process. And if I don't like the answers that the process yields, we have mechanisms called voting and elections and that sort of thing to change that. Uh, We have an initiative system. Mm -hmm. Now, all these things have issues associated with them. I think the initiative system has been throttled by uh, rules and regulations that the Democrats have put in place. But um, I trust in the process, the entire process. And I watched that video, um, you know, given a certain spin, yes, you, it says, hmm, that looks a little suspicious. Given another spin of they store those ballots underneath those tables, the devices that look like suitcases are the devices that they use to transport ballots because right. they're heavy. And so what you have is a security video without any audio. And so the audio right. is provided by the commentator. And I believe this was on, at least the one I saw was on the, you know, One America News Network, which is very what? partisan. Yes. So, of course, they're, you know, giving their spin on it. But again, that's why you take the security right. camera and you file a lawsuit and you say there are issues with the with the election and here's some evidence and then they look into it. Well, and if you if you think about it, let's let's talk about this voter fraud thing. So at least in Oregon, and this is why the Oregon system is a is a good system. It could be better, but it's a good system. You have an envelope has your signature on the outside, ballot inside. Ballot has no markings on it at all, right? Right. right. Uh, They come in, they verify your signature, and they do verify your signatures. I've had signatures returned for re-verification. Then you have a count of how many valid signatures you had, and you have a count of the ballots, the individual ballots. So this whole thing of printing up extra ballots and inserting them into the system would be very hard because you'd have an imbalance in your count between signatures and and ballots. And here in Oregon, they like once you turn in your ballot, because the, the envelope has identifying markings. And so you yes. can look up and see if your ballot has yes. been counted. And so you have a list. It, it's not a list of voter rolls of like, here, here's, we have a million ballots. It's, we have a million names. Yes. And these names voted and these names did not. Right. So you would have to, if you were going to fake ballots in Oregon, you would have to pick an individual person and say, okay, this person has not voted in however many years. We're yes. going to make a ballot for them and cross our fingers that they don't happen to vote this year and turn a ballot in. Well, yes, you'd have to turn the ballot in in an envelope with the signature because the signatures and the ballots have to balance. Yeah. And, and if there's not a big imbalance in the signatures and the ballots, you pretty much have validity there, at least in Oregon. Now... The point that I've made over and over again on this show is Oregon's been doing this for more than 20 years. Yes. And we went through growing pains on how to do it and how to verify signatures and do it in a timely manner. Absolutely. Other states spun this up in like three weeks. (laughs) During a pandemic. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So are there 
possibilities that other states don't have the rigor and didn't do it as well as we did? Yes, I'm certain that they didn't, right? And the process that we're going through of reevaluating it and putting it under scrutiny is a a good and valid process to determine how, how did they conduct their elections. So far, it looks like they're not big swings, big recount swings. Um, but I think the, I think the process was a very valid process and it was something that we needed to go through. But I think people do forget, look, in the states where you have signatures and you have ballots, it's very difficult to insert 40,000 extra ballots. Yeah. If you wanted to insert a couple, maybe you could. Yeah. But yeah, if, if 40,000 is darn near impossible. It, it would be very difficult. It, it's not difficult physically to do it mm-hmm. because you think about it. Do uh, without getting caught. 500 pieces of paper are about, you know, two inches tall. So in a box that's uh, 10 of them, you've got 5,000 ballots in a in a box of paper. Uh, yeah. So a few boxes of paper scattered around the state in different places, you know, yeah, you could, you could do it. You can't do it in a small town. 5,000 would stick out like a sore thumb. But the fact that it has to balance, that the signatures have to balance. And to your point in Oregon, it, we have the names yeah. and they publish the names. They do. Yep. In fact, when I, I ran one year and somebody uh, went back and looked and they said, geez, Alan, you've only voted in six of the last 13 elections. Well, we have, you know, elections in May and we have elections and primary elections and general elections and I'm traveling all over the country and I said well with 2020 hindsight if I knew I was going to be running for office I probably would have voted in all (laughs) those elections (laughs) right all the special school board elections and everything else that's the end of our segment uh this is Ali and Pacero with James Ball and we'll be back welcome back to Ali and Pacero with James Ball James, good to have you on a Sunday morning. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm, I am mourning a little bit this morning. I think every football team I like lost <laughs> yesterday. My boilers yeah. laid an egg. The poor little beeves, the, you know, without Bucks. their quarterback, without their running back, they lost. Notre Dame won. It's like, <laughs> it's a horrible, horrible. Not, you're right. Not a good football. No, it was, it was. Oregon bad. lost their second game. Indiana won again. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just brutal. Eric Fruits will be happy with that. The good thing about Eric, he went to Indiana, but he's not really a football fan. Ah. So he's not that irritating. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about the election. We're talking about the recount in Georgia. One of the things I wanted to to mention, and you don't see this too much in in the media, but the Republicans won a lot of House seats. Uh, I think there was a a swing of nine or ten House seats. Uh, All of the toss-up seats were won by Republicans. Mm -hmm. Several of the lean Democratic seats were won by Republicans. Um, I had a really interesting conversation. I just got a new uh, iPhone, and I went to the AT&T store. Uh, The young man that came out, he was black, and... Before we went into the store, he met me outside. He said, I need to talk to you before we go in. I said, okay. And he said, I know who you are. (laughs) Oh. And I've heard you on the radio. Oh. And he said, I'm an immigrant 
from Jamaica. Hmm. And he said, America owes me nothing. I owe America everything. And and then he told me his story of he was a little boy in Jamaica. They lived in a shack. Every morning before school, he had to go down and get water and bring it back. And he said the water that I could get was all brown and muddy and mom would boil it. And I never knew who my father was. And I'd walk 11 miles to school each way. And um, a missionary came to Jamaica and uh, he became a Christian um, he ended up marrying the missionary's daughter who is from Portland. Oh, they came here and, uh, he basically got stuck on a, on his visa. He, he got to America and then got stuck, became, became an American citizen. He said, America gave me opportunities that I could never have in Jamaica. He said, I've been able to work now send money back to my mother. She's bought the property that she lived on. We tore down the shack. We built a house. We have running water. She has electricity. Uh, I'm, I've gone back to school. My wife is a nurse. Um, I'm going to be a pilot. I've got my pilot's license now. I'm going through that training. And he said, when you speak on the radio, you speak to people like me. Hmm. And he said, the Democrats don't appreciate people like me and they mm. don't understand it. And it was so gratifying to hear the story. In fact, when he, when he finished up, he said, I love Oregon. I don't think Oregon loves me. Hmm. It was, it, it was, it was amazing. But I think that story is why there was this, I won't call it a red wave, but a red, red ripple. <laughs> right yeah yeah that i think is the foundation of of the quote new republican party uh, yeah i think i i would agree with you i think that that one of one of the positive things from the trump administration is this the more populist movement of we are we are becoming the party of the people not the party of the elite and the democrats are being more the party of the elite and my, you know, my in-laws are all first-generation Romanian, and uh, they're they're all very conservative, very you know Republican, um, because they they have seen what an out-of-control government can do, yeah. and you know, the, the lived in a communist country until the mid-eighties, and just seeing what that we are trying to go further down that path toward and not like not trying to get all the way to communism, but toward communism. Yeah. And the, the slippery slope that once the government starts giving you stuff, it's really hard to have the government not give you stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what was their story? How, how did they get here? What was um, uh, one, a lottery system. I, I'm not oh. exactly sure the, the system that it, but it was, it was a, you put your name in a hat and, and they pick you to have a, a, you know, permanent residency. And so the story was, um, my wife's dad had been putting his name in for a while and finally convinced his wife to put her name in. Oh. And so she put her name in and the first time she did, she got picked. And so then she got to bring the family with her. Oh, really? And so yeah, it was my wife's mom who was the, uh, the lottery winner. To and come. did they come straight to Portland? Yeah. Yeah. And had never been here, didn't know anything about it. Just there's a pretty sizable Romanian community here. Mm -hmm. um, I think they so um, 
Rebecca's cousin is here. Uh, they've, okay. they've got, there's, yeah, there's a pretty big Romanian community. I think they, they knew of people here. I don't know if they knew personally, but they knew that there was a community. So I think that's the, the foundation of the Republican Party as we move forward is this first generation people that have made a life for themselves. They're small business people. They're mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. They don't want anything for free. This guy didn't want, he never mentioned, geez, I wish somebody would pay for my education. Yeah. You know, I wish I could get this. I wish I could get that. He, he said, America gave me one thing. That's an opportunity. Yep. And I didn't have that opportunity in Jamaica and never would have had that opportunity in Jamaica. I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of the, the postmortem on this election because we, just looking at, you know, away from immigrants and more toward just demographics, Republicans got a lot of uh, Latino people, yeah, uh, Latino votes. Um, I think they that we started making inroads with the black community, although not. I mean, it's going from ninety two percent vote Democratic right. to you know I don't I don't know what the numbers. We doubled are right our now. vote and got ninety eighty eight percent. Right, exactly. Only eighty eight percent of them voted, voted for the Democratic. Democrats. But uh, I think there was a much bigger swing on the Latino side. Yeah. of voting Republican. And I would be really be interested to dig into why that is. And also the the split ticket, like we were talking about on the show before, you know, there we, we are seeing Trump lose, but Republicans gain ground in a lot of different places, which means a lot of people voted Republican down ballot, but did not vote for Trump. And right. so is that just the, the toxicity of Trump and his personality? Or is there something else going on? Or I'd really like to dig into some of these because I think there are, um, I've also heard stories from people that said I never voted before until Trump. Yes. And he is the first politician that spoke to me Mm -hmm. and that was the first vote I've ever taken. So, um, we will have to dig into it and look county by county and precinct by precinct about Trump vote versus some of these votes in the ripple, so to speak, yep. that uh, that took over. That's the end of our segment. This is Ali and Pacero. When we come back, I think we'll be talking about all things COVID. Cool. Scintillating. <laughs> Thanks, James, for being here. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero with my friend James Ball. And we've been talking about elections. Let's turn to COVID. The uh, situation in Oregon, the numbers that are being reported over just the last two days, we had 30 deaths uh, the day before yesterday, 24 deaths yesterday. Um, remarkable spike. I, and there's no two ways about it. So do we, do we get to blame Kate Brown for this? Because all of the COVID response till now has been Trump's fault. Do we now get to blame Kate Brown for her lack of ability to manage this this uh, pandemic? I yeah, I guess you do. I yeah. mean, this has been my point with uh, Mario Cuomo. Yeah. Right? It's it's like, wait a minute. The guy that has the worst performance in the country yep. is the one that's held up as being the 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 best yeah it's, it's, it's Kate brown it's you incredible. have failed you have failed to rein this in in the state of oregon and i don't so, care what you've done or if you think that's the right idea you have failed so the 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 craziness here is we don't go to timbers games we don't go to blazers games we don't go to restaurants really i mean even when the restaurants were open 
there were half capacity, everybody's sitting outside, you're masked up before you go in. We're not going to work. My friends are not back in the office. Yep. Uh, the kids are not in school. Yep. Right? Um, it's we almost all, like these things aren't working. We, yes. We yeah. all wear masks. Mm-hmm. Right? The national average of mask wearing in the United States is 70%. Yeah, the, Oregon must be eighty-five, at least in the valley. But this is where the spikes are. This is where the the cases are happening. So, I've been tracking this data for, for since the very very beginning. And one of the things I've said is, you can see from my spreadsheet that something's been going on for the last probably three months, because early on you'd have a death. The death was reported within a day or two of when it occurred. You'd have a, did it have underlying causes or not? Um, and that was pretty much it. And it was very repeatable. And the number of unknown, meaning unknown whether it, whether they had underlying causes was a tiny fraction, 2% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the data is like when we had 30 reported uh, dead the other day, 10 of them were from many weeks ago. Hmm. And they're just kind of now getting around to it. Um, Which means the spike is not, maybe not as pronounced. Is that? Or, well, like- but it's the data is so noisy, James. I can't tell you. I'd have to go back hmm. and re enter the date of every death. And then sort on that and then be able to give you, but that's what the government should do. Yes. Right? They should do that. They should, they go should back to the recast yeah. all the data mm-hmm. of actual death by date. Now, the other thing that happens is usually, and I've only seen this a few times, but it's been more recent. Usually you have, they were diagnosed with COVID on October 1st. And they died on October 30th. That's kind of the normal pattern. Sure. Right? There was, now I'm starting to see at least twice, uh, they died on November 15th. Uh, They were diagnosed with COVID on November 16th. Right? So they just basically took the autopsy and said, oh, and this said, person had COVID. They had COVID. Yeah. And we didn't know. Interesting. Right? So there are so many questions about this data. It is so noisy. It is, but they put together beautiful charts and graphs. Somebody spends a lot of money on the charts and graphs. Yeah. Beautiful websites. So it looks like they're being transparent. But but they're not answering the the hard questions and it's not done in a very rigorous way. Yep. Um incredibly frustrating. So one of the things Biden's talking about national mask mandate. Okay, right? Uh I don't think that's going to change anyone's behavior. I think well, the people that are already not wearing masks are doing so out of spite. I mean this this is not a lack of awareness, this is not a lack of education. This is a a purposeful decision not to wear masks and I don't think you're going to I mean I don't know, we're going to start arresting people for not wearing masks. I I don't I don't think it's going to change the behavior. I I don't think so either. And one of the things that I like to do is use data sources that are unimpeachable from a uh, 
a broad cross section of society. So meaning I like to use liberal sources of data because then you can't, I can't yeah. get impeached by the Democrats for using them. For using right? it wrong. Yep. So this is the University of Washington. Uh, the COVID data that they've got is some of the best, most consistent that I've seen. You can look at mask wearing, deaths, deaths by population. You can compare states to states, states to countries. So on masks, this is why I was curious about the United States. The United States mask wearing 71% across yep. the entire United States. Sounds right. Denmark held as a paragon of COVID management. So Denmark's uh, deaths per 100,000 people are 14. The United States is 64 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Denmark's held out as the anti-Sweden, right? Yeah. That Denmark did it right. Those Swedish guys, they did it wrong. Right. Denmark leads in all COVID metrics. Mask wearing in Denmark, 15%. Huh. And look, I'm not saying throw away your masks. Right. Right? All I'm saying is let's look at the data. How does Denmark get extraordinary performance and only 15% wear masks? Is it... Is it the right 15% or is it they do other things socially? They do other. Is it genetic? Yeah. You know, is there something about being Danish, right? <laughs> that there was some virus that Danish people had a thousand years ago that makes them basically immune to COVID. I don't know. Well, I think that this is a, it's to get political, but this is a difference between a conservative and a liberal mindset. A liberal mindset is we have to do something. The government has to do something. And whether or not that's the right thing is more or less irrelevant. Uh, whether or not it's effective is more or less irrelevant. As long as we're doing something, we're, we're, we're trying, you know, at least we tried. Whereas a conservative mindset would kind of go your route and say, Hey, we need to figure out what we need to do. We need to get the data. We need to decide, like, we need, we need to figure out the root cause and then actually go attack the root cause, not just do random stuff like shutting down a cut, like shutting down, uh, restaurants, but leaving other places open. <laughs> right. You know? No, but it was, this is a democratic state and we have a lot of democratic voters who just want you to do something. And so you can look at the numbers. And this is like I said, Kate Brown has failed to re rein this in. Yeah. Oregon had the highest transmission rate of any state in the country earlier. That is Kate. If we, if we are going to blame the government, that, that's Kate Brown's fault. So we're going to get back to this. This is, this is a great conversation to have. Uh, when we get back, I want to talk about observations of places being closed and places being open and also about a doctor's license that was remote revoked for doing a horrible, horrible thing. This is Ali and Pacero. We'll be right back after this break. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349. 6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero. This is Alan Alley with 
our friend James Ball. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about some of the data and how messed up it is. Yesterday, I drove to Clackamas Town Center mm-hmm. and I, I drove into the parking lot. I was meeting somebody and we met at the, uh, there was a, a large restaurant there, uh, Claim Jumper, mm-hmm. right? Big restaurant. Parking lot's empty for Claim Jumper. Mm-hmm. Nobody can be there. Yeah. An enormous restaurant, right? If yeah. you go inside a Claim Jumper, and you could do social distancing, you could space people out, but the parking lot for the mall was cram-packed, like wall-to-wall people. And somehow we've made this, this rationalization that you can't eat at Claim Jumper but you can go hang <laughs> the out in the mall. Town center is just fine. You I, know, I don't get it. It's at best the at best this is arbitrary, and at worst it's the politically connected who keep their stuff open. I mean, we talked about this at the very beginning. How how many uh, golf golf place uh, golf courses yeah. were closed during COVID? None in Oregon. None in Oregon. None in Oregon. Why? Because the golf course owners know Kate Brown and they donate to Kate Brown. And so, you know, you are able to socially distance on a golf course. So I agree that leaving them open was probably the right thing, but right. they shut them down in Washington. Yeah. So it, it, why you politically, politically, like I said, at best, this is arbitrary and inconsistent. At worst, it's corrupt. And and this is where, you know, I was talking with some people from Intel and I said, if you gave this problem to Intel, they'd have it solved in two weeks. Yeah. And uh, another piece of data. And thank goodness the Oregon Health Authority, Authority publishes this. It's in their weekly report. You have to dig a little bit to find it. About half of all the deaths are in congregate living. Mm-hmm. So nursing homes, uh, you know, Elder care facilities, whatever. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you're living in close quarters right. and you get somebody gets sick and all of a sudden everybody gets sick, right. like it just, it, that logically makes sense. So a, a business person using an engineering approach to this would say half of my deaths are in those facilities. We're going to focus a ton of resources on those facilities. We're going to test everybody that goes in, that goes out. We're going to lock them down. We're going to find out how it transmits in those facilities. We're going to do uh, social distance. We're gonna, we are yep. going to flatten these facilities. We're going to spread people out. We're going to go get uh, holiday inns for the people that aren't uh, that aren't severely impaired. And we're going to pay somebody to take over their holiday and clean the whole thing up. And we're going to put people in rooms temporarily mm-hmm. to spread people out. I don't see any of that. I don't see any focus on... Half the people are dying in these facilities. And, you know, it's almost like I can't figure it out. Why would you not focus resources on the places where they could do the most good? I think, and this is just speculating, but they're trying to stop the spread of the disease rather than focus on the impacts of the disease, which... I think you can do both to your point. You you can work on reducing the impacts of the disease and also try to stop the spread. But I think that what the government's doing is just focusing on one of those things. And coincidentally, that's the thing that gives them the most power and control is to over people's lives is to, uh, to tell them how to live so that they don't spread the disease. Well, and I think another thing that we're, uh, that I think we're seeing is vaccine is right around the corner. Yes. And, 
you know, I will tell you that when the vaccine is available, the narrative changes. And all of a sudden, the number of deaths are going to be, oh, well, we have the vaccine, so that will, you know, that's only a temporary blip, right? We will be able to vaccinate those. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't, just calm down. Don't worry about it. And we're going to shift from everybody needs to be worried and you're going to die. You, you will personally die to don't worry about it. And I, I mean, I think that's going to happen. Probably about January 20th. Yeah. You think that's probably about, about when probably that's going to happen? Probably about when that, yeah. that shift will that's, begin to that's occur. What I've, that's what I imagined it would be. Yeah. Right about then. Yeah. I think that's true. And it's so uh, sad, transparent. Um, it's it's something that shouldn't have been political. Yeah. You, and, I, you know, I, I will tar and feather government at every level from city councils all the way up to the president of the United States for whiffing on this one. Mm-hmm. Because nobody did the rigorous examination, testing, retesting, profiling, genetic identification. Look, we have a pandemic, right? Yeah. Denmark doesn't get this disease. It doesn't happen in Denmark, right? Go figure that out. Go send yeah. epidemiologists to Denmark and find out why when you on, only 15% of the population is wearing a mask, and that's up from basically zero um, two months ago. Basically, yeah. nobody wore masks in Denmark and nobody died, right? I think this is something, this is a, a fault of the Trump administration. I think this is something that could have easily been done at the federal level. I mean, it could have been done at the state level as well, but I feel like if you're a state leader, you're probably not comfortable calling up the, you know, prime minister, I don't know what they have in Denmark, but the, uh, the leader of Denmark and saying, hey, can I send some people over there to, to walk around with your, your health authority people? You know, what? one of the things that I found traveling internationally, governors in the United States are like um, presidents, that a governor traveling to Japan gets the same treatment as hmm. a head of state from South America. I hmm. mean, our GDP for Oregon is like the same as Bolivia's or something. I mean, it's... it's That's you, a good point. And... So you absolutely do have the ability to do it. And since we're such a melting pot, I'm sure th- the Danish consulate here has somebody that's close to Cape Brown that can get us into Denmark. I, 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 it, it flabbergasts me that people that are running these states don't think like CEOs. They don't think like people that have responsibility for yep. the bottom line or a PNL or these people's lives. I, it's sort of beyond my imagination. One of the things that I think you brought up was that there was a doctor yeah. who didn't wear it to fill it, fill us in on this one yeah, and then we'll, so we'll pick it up after the break. This actually has started getting national uh, attention is a doctor in Oregon was not wearing masks and telling people in his, mm-hmm. his uh, practice to not wear masks. And then he went to mm-hmm. a stop the steal Trump rally um, oh, hosted yeah. by the Republican party uh, down in Salem a few weeks ago or last week, or I don't know when it was. And, a video ended up on YouTube of him basically saying, I don't wear a mask. I encourage my staff not to wear a mask. Was he Danish? Uh, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Um, 
But then the uh, Oregon Health Authority or whomever decided to revoke his license for not wearing a mask and, you know, for safety purposes or whatever, because right. he's, he's not wearing a mask. And so my takeaway from this, because the, the, the YouTube video is actually posted by the Multnomah County Republican Party. Yeah. And so I posted this on some of our little message boards. I was like, hey, guys, um, just be careful what you post on the Internet. And this has kind of been my statement from to friends and family of like, just don't broadcast what you're doing. Like if you're, if you're not going to follow, uh, you know, dot your T's and cross your eyes, uh, the, the, the rules put out by the government, just don't, just don't blast it out on social media and you'll be, you'll probably be okay. But that, that's been lost on people. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk more about this, about how you need to hide your actions from the government in, uh, <laughs> right. in 2020. This is Ali and Pacero. The Portland spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero with our friend James Ball. We're talking about hiding from the government. And right. it's, it, it is remarkable. Right. It goes, goes it, back to the institutions thing. Like if we don't trust our institutions, I mean, this is what we're kind of down to is hiding your actions. And, and is that where we want to be as a society? And what I hope is this will get enough people to question, has it gone too far? I mean, have, has our government overreached to the point where we need to start reining things in? One of the points that I make is we pass, uh, over the last 10 years, we've passed 5,000 new laws, basically, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So if I asked you in 2010, what do you think we need to do to make Oregon a better place? I don't think you'd say, I think we need 5,000 new laws. Right? Probably not. But that's what we did. Yeah. And and, and they never go away. Nope. And And so... This abdication of sort of right and wrong to the government, to, to just say, I'm going to let the government take care of all this. I'm going to let the government arbitrate all this. I think it's getting to the point where people are, are starting to say, no, I, I don't think that's such a good decision. Well, it depends on what side of the aisle you're on. Because, I, I again, on Reddit, a very sort of a left-leaning yeah. medium, a lot of the comments on that video or on that video or the news story was, good. You know, he shouldn't have a license if he's not wearing a mask and encouraging his staff to wear masks and breaking the government's, you know, arbitrary rules. It's not arbitrary. Mask. I, I do believe in masks. I'm just kind of getting in this partisan mindset. No, um, I, I understand. I, I, but <laughs> that, that was the, that was the response from the left was, Hey, just follow the rules and this isn't going to be a problem. You know, and if you break the rules, you know, you got it. You had it coming. So well, and this is where I don't think they see it as an overreach. I think they see it as just it is what it. I don't know what how they see it. You know, I, I I had a company. I'm an engineer. I had a company all full of engineers. Engineers are very skeptical. Yes, they don't trust anything. Yep. Right. And even my my Democratic friends on Facebook that are engineers that worked in my company. One of the reasons that I 
that I like them is we can talk about these things mm-hmm. and they're inherently skeptical, right? Maybe they're Democrats and maybe they support it. But when I post data like this Danish data, they will dig in and they will, they will do the research to prove me wrong, so to speak, or whatever. Yep. And I hope people in general um, do start to understand that our government has grown to a point, both at the national level and at the state level, where we're at kind of a tipping point. Um, Kate Brown just published her governor's recommended budget. Yep. And the way this works is the governor publishes their budget and then the legislature does their budget. Um, the governor sets some stakes in the ground, but generally the legislature says, thank you for your input, but this is what mm-hmm. we really want to do. Kate Brown's budget is up 18% over the last biennium. Wow. In the last six years, uh, up to the last biennium, we've already grown like 40%. So this will be 60% in eight years. Um, and I ask people, what is 60% better than it was eight years ago? Yeah. Are classes 60% smaller? You know, class sizes 60% smaller? Do we have 60% more roads? Or are they even 60% better? You know, do we have... Uh, 60% more healthcare. Are there 60% fewer homeless people on the streets? Is anything 60% better? And the answer is no. Nobody can name anything. Yet the entire state budget went up by saying everything should be 60% better. As a matter of fact, if this was a business and you came to me and said, I want to spend 60% more, I'd say you need to get 80%, 90%, 100% return on that 60. Yeah. Or we're not going to spend that money. Well, it's the good idea ferry. That's what the good idea ferry came around. And you mentioned the Oregon saves and, you know, I'm having to go through that as well. That's where this money's going to. I mean, so you've, you've got Oregon saves, which is this, you know, government mandated uh, 401k plan that right. we have to, well, that has to be managed. It has to yes. be managed by employees. And so you have to hire a bunch of employees to run this new good idea that someone came up with. And so that's, that's where this stuff's coming from. It's the, the good idea fairy came around and started blessing the state of Oregon. Yeah. And there's no regard to cost because the money just kind of pours over the transom. To your other point, if you could just turn a dial and raise revenue, why wouldn't you? Right. Say, and hey, and- the government can do more stuff and all we have to do is raise taxes on the wealthy. Well, and, and if, you're, if your view of the world is more government stuff is a good thing, yeah. if, that, that the, the world would be better, the United States would be better, Oregon would be better if the government just did more, yeah. right? And it's, it's the fundamental difference, I think, between Republicans and Democrats. I've, I've thought about this as, as we're expanding our party what is the thing that holds the party together? Because there are some things that divide us. Some of the social issues divide us. Um, some of the views of institutions divide us. But the one thing that, that sort of holds Republicans together is smaller, more accountable government, more personal freedom. Yep. Right. And I, I'd say the, the counter argument to that is the Democrats believe larger, more expansive government 
more government programs, more government largesse, more redistribution, Mm -hmm. more taking away from people that are perceived as rich and giving to people that are perceived as poor is a, is a fundamentally good thing. And so my message to my Republican brethren out there is look, we are smaller, more limited, more focused, more accountable, more accountable at the local level, pushing those decisions down to the local level, mm-hmm. because at that level, you can determine with your neighbors how you want your government to be run. The, the government that gets further and further away, all the way up to the federal government, is... You have less control. Yeah. Totally. This this mask mandate is exactly one of those things, right? Yep. I want local jurisdictions, local cities, councils, counties. There are cities and counties in Oregon that have zero cases right now. Yes. They don't need to wear masks anymore. No. So I was just going to make a point. Uh, Yesterday, we met with uh, Jim Fitzhenry on The Rational Republican. And so that podcast is out if anybody wants to listen to it. But one of the things that kind of occurred to me and mentioned on the podcast was if people had to pay for all these government services, they'd all of a sudden see what they cost and they they might start voting Republican. And so what the Democrats have discovered is all you do is you make somebody else pay for them. If the rich are paying for all these services, then your base of middle to low income continues voting for you because I get all this cool stuff and I don't have to pay for it. And But the problem is that's a house of cards. And wealthy will start leaving the sit, leaving the state. They will find tax avoidance schemes. And at the end of the day, your, your tax base is going to dry up. You're not, if, if you're not bringing big companies with high salaries into the state through whatever means you can, um, it, it's all eventually it's going to fall apart and you're going to not have all this money that you think you're going to have. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be back. This is Allie and Pacero with her friend James Ball. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero. This is Alan Allie with James Ball. Last segment for this week. We'll wrap up. Um, let's look forward a little bit. Let's crystal ball. I, it, it appears that Biden is going to get through this process. Yep. We're not going to flip enough states. Um, what's next for Trump? Oh, I've heard all sorts of stuff that he's he's running in 2024. I've heard that he's starting a news organization because I guess Fox News isn't conservative anymore. Uh, now it's going to be Trump TV for four years, and then we're going to get Trump president again. In uh, and he, how old will he be in 2024? He's 77 so just, right now, right? Uh, no, he's 74. Oh, it's Biden who's 77, so he will be 78. In uh, four years from now. Only a year older than Biden. Yeah, well, Biden, <laughs> Biden's only going to last a year before he uh, he abdicates to, to Harris. That was another but thing that he said, wasn't it? That who said? It, Biden in an interview said something like that. If I get crosswise with Kamala Harris, I'll... I'll say that I have some disease and retire or something. Did you see this? <laughs> I didn't see oh, it. Oh, it was no. another one of the, you know, the things out in the blogosphere, right? Well, he's, he's just, he's an old man and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's whatever he, he won. And this is how our system works is that he won. And if for whatever reason he cannot maintain the presidency, you know, he steps down and, and Kamala takes over. So one of the things I, I think 
if I was going to crystal ball this, uh, Biden gets inaugurated. Trump does not go to the inauguration. I would, uh, yeah. Trump never admits that there was a change never, of power. Never concedes, never admits defeat. Um, and then basically campaigns for four years. Yes. Right. Continues, Travels around, continues, continues tweeting, to do rallies. Does rallies. Yeah. Right. I see that. And builds a, an probably insurmountable framework for the primary next go around. Yeah. If he runs in 2024, unless, you know, barring something unexpected, I, I figure he takes it. I think he sure. would. He's, he's got enough of a following that, yeah, he'd be a shoe in for the primary and then we'll get <sighs> Harris and Trump. Yeah. So, oh, well, I think it, I, I, Harris, I think it's Harris 50, I think it's 50, 50 if Biden gets through the four years. Even if he does get through, I don't think he runs again. Oh, that I think that's true. Yeah, I don't think he yeah, runs no, in twenty twenty four. That's definitely true. So I think I think that puts Kamala as the uh the front runner in the Democratic Party for twenty twenty four. And I I think the 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 part so I think Trump has done some things that no other politician could have done for the Republicans. He has created this populist movement. He's brought people into the fold. He's he's speaking for people that felt that they were completely disenfranchised. I think that's great. You yeah. know, that my friend from Jamaica, um, I love Mitt Romney, but he'd look at Mitt Romney and go, Mitt Romney doesn't care about me, doesn't know about me, operates at this stratospheric level. He's an yeah. institutionalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There is a bench of Republican people that have served as governors mostly. Uh, Christy Nome in South Dakota, um, for example, that are a terrific, thoughtful uh, bench of people that their fundamental values of smaller, more limited government control closer to the people, believing in people and believing in people to make good decisions on their own. That are going to, you know, the, their careers will get a pause button hit because Trump will will take over the airwaves, so this, to speak. This is what I've been saying from the beginning. I don't think Trump cares about the Republican Party. I don't think he cares about other Republicans. He doesn't care about the Senate. He doesn't care about Georgia. He, Trump cares about winning. Trump cares about Trump. And, you know, I, it's which is interesting because, you, you to your point, a lot of people feel like he's speaking for them when... The way I see it is he's speaking for himself. I think, I think that's true. I think, but the thing that, that's interesting is winning for Trump is America winning on all kinds of mostly financial metrics, mm-hmm. um, beating China, stock market price, whatever. Right. Right. And, uh, for example, working on my purse article, uh, if we don't have the stock market performing, the the public employee retirement system is completely screwed. Yep. Totally screwed. Mm-hmm. Right? So in a weird way, the, the Democrats have this outlandish incentive to, to have the stock market flywheel spin like crazy. <laughs> well, I don't see... So I've talked to a couple Democrats about PERS and the... And maybe, maybe this is just a couple that I talked to, but they say it's not a big issue. Right. 
Yeah. Now, their their line is when you say there's a $27 billion unfunded liability, they say, it's not a problem. We'll figure it out. Right. And I, I don't think that there's any actual data to back that up, but no. that's that's their stance. And so I don't think that they see... Trump's stock market performance as helping PERS. Oh man! The way they see it is, uh, it's just it, it's just another thing that's happening. I think there might be some some you know financial nerds in the PERS office who are probably thanking their lucky stars that oh, totally the crash in March didn't go lower and stay there. But your rank and file Democrat, I don't think it has a huge effect because if the Unfunded liability increases because your stock market performance decreased, so the liability goes up. There's a formula that says how much money you now have to set aside as the city of Gresham or the city of Wilsonville. Yep. And as that unfunded liability expands, the percentage money that you have to set aside for PERS expands. They tend to hotwire that and come up with... Um, I don't think it's been passed in statute, but it's mostly at the board level to delay it. And that's what they've mm-hmm. been doing is they go, yeah, yeah, James, I know you you were supposed to put 20% aside, but we'll calculate it this way. And now you only have to put 15% aside. You know, if we just assume, you know, 20% gains year over year for the next 40 years, right. then, then we don't have to put any money aside. We're right. Good. But I think Trump has has created this whole new sort of base of the Republican Party that's going to erode the Democ- the traditional Democratic base mm-hmm. that I think is a very, very positive thing. But I, I also would like to sort of hand the mantle of leadership off to a next generation yes. of people that are also populous, but are a generation or two. Well, but I think that that's the difference between you and Trump. You care about the Republican Party and you care about the future. I don't think Trump does. I think he cares. He cares about America in an, in a, because performance of America is performance for him. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. Right. If America sucks, Trump sucks. Right. If, if America succeeds and has a, and his vision of success is pretty much totally financial. Yeah. Financial and economic. Yep. Then, uh, America is going to, uh, succeed and therefore Trump will succeed. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Allie and Pacero with a friend, James Paul. Thanks for listening. This has been Allie and Pacero with your hosts, Alan Allie and Jim Pacero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.